0: You're listening to Led Church Podcast
1: with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Here the gospel records At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father... If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me, and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true and many believed in him there. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. David and I have
0: talked back and forth through this series, which, by the way, we are just about halfway through with now, okay? So we've, we've come a long way in this series, uh, and it's been a good series, all right? Uh, and I've been excited to, to do some of the preaching here, but he and I have talked back and forth, and there are some passages that either of us got that were just like awesome. It's like, yeah, I want to preach that. Like That is a good word from the Lord there, and that's a good word for the church, and you just feel good preaching it. Um, and he had that last week. I mean, that was a great passage. If you want to preach a, a, a good passage, a, a pretty simple, straightforward, easy passage to just encourage and exhort people, he got it last week There's been a few passages in John, it's been, yeah, this is not so great, you know, as far as like preaching and and trying to to figure out, you know, what to to pull out of it and bring to you and encourage you with, and kind of feeling like today is one of those days, all right? It's just, it's been a little bit challenging to kind of put it together and, and see just what it is. But I do think God has something for us here, Um, and I've been encouraged by some of those of you who didn't get much sleep to cut it short today, Uh, so I'm going to try to accomplish both, all right? I'm not going to, you know, like, like, actually call anybody out, you know? about this, but I got, I got a little bit of uh, grief here that I need to keep it short and sweet and tight, okay? So we're going to try to do that a, a little bit as we go here. Um, so let's, let's just get into this passage and look at it a little bit, all right? Because up until now, up until this part of John 10, um, Jesus has been unfolding uh, revelation, if you will, of himself, but he's doing it in sort of a figure of speech, And uh, he does this really, really like, he he introduces this really well in about verse 6 that David preached to you about last week. Um, And it says there even that Jesus is using a figure of speech, all right? And in that figure of speech, he is saying several things. He's saying there's a sheepfold. He's saying there's a door uh, to the sheepfold. He's saying that he is the good shepherd. Uh, He's saying that he has sheep, and and he has sheep that are his in this Jewish flock uh, right there. But he also has sheep outside of that flock uh, that he's going to bring all together from all over the world, if you will, And so there's a lot that Jesus is proclaiming as he's using all of this imagery. And he continues on, and he basically says that he's been given a mission, all right? And uh, that mission has been given by God the Father. Um, And that mission is basically that Jesus is to lay down his life for the sheep, all right? You got all of this last week, but these are the things that he's saying uh, to the people. then he says, not only is it, is, is, Uh, the shepherd going to lay down his life for the sheep, he's going to actually be able to take his life back up again. And then he says, I'm going to be able to call everybody by name all over the world. But not only that, as we get further into John, we understand that not only does he call us by name, but he raises all of us up to call others by their name, uh, the name that he has given them, saints, Christians, believers, followers, disciples, those kinds of things. Um, as a matter of fact, when Jesus prays the priestly prayer in John 17, he says to the Father, I'm not praying just for these who are here that you have given to me in real time, but I'm praying for all of those who will actually hear their voices and also receive me. All right? So we've been, we've been put on this mission with Jesus But these people who are listening to him in this passage that David read to you today, they're not even close to being there, all right? They they are not in that place. They are not hearing this very well, all right? But he says to them that his sheep will know his voice, and when he calls them, they will follow him, all right? All right? And so in the end, he's saying that there's going to be this whole flock that comes from all over the earth that are going to follow me, and they're going to know me, and I'm going to know them, and I'm going to be their shepherd, and I'm going to watch over them, and I'm going to take care of them. And all of this brings us to where we see Jesus today, and that is in a place where a group of these Jewish people honestly believe that Jesus has gone start raving mad Like, they really believe that Jesus is now crazy, all right? He is on the the deep end, all right? And, And even though it's a figure of speech, he says all of this really plain, or at least plain enough so that he's kind of lifting the veil more and more. And he's been doing this all along, especially since chapter 7. He keeps using these different kinds of imagery about who he is and what he does. And as he's doing this, what he's doing is he's, he's pulling the curtain further and further away so they can glimpse inside of who he really is, which is ultimately that he is the Son of God. But they're saying, wait a minute, you can't talk like this. You can't say these kinds of things. Some of them even said uh, in verse 20, he has a demon. All right? We, we can't listen to him. He's insane. But others came back and said, no. No. A man who is insane cannot do these things that he is doing. A man who has demons would not do these things that he is doing. And so there was even conflict between the Jews, which I think God was using to help uh, maintain the delay of them stoning him or killing him because he had an appointed moment in time that he was going to go to the cross. And so a lot of this helps to like, uh, buy a little bit of time. And We're going to see Jesus using some of that opportunity today even, all right? But they are saying basically that, that he is crazy. And so we can then understand their, their response a little bit, I think, because he's saying things that are unique, all right? Things that they haven't heard before. And when someone says, I have authority to lay down my life, And then I have authority to pick it back up again or to to bring myself back to life or give myself life again. These are things that were just like impossible for those Jewish people to really comprehend and accept, all right? And so they are having huge conversations back and forth about him. And the reality is that, okay, dead people don't raise themselves, all right? They can't do that, all right? All right. And, and if there's going to be a resurrection from the dead, who's going to do that? God. God the Father is going to do that, all right? And that's actually the point that Jesus is making, even as he's talking about himself, see? Because Jesus is constantly saying, I am God, all right? And so when he says, I'm going to lay my life down, what he's saying is, I'm going to submit to the cross, People here are going to to crucify me, and I'm going to submit to that. In other words, I'm willingly going to do this. So here's what we have to understand here is that all of this that's happening in chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10 here, and what's going to be happening in chapter 11, which is an exciting chapter because that's where Lazarus gets raised up, and that's going to, I get to preach that one, and that one's going to be fun, okay? But what is happening all along here is Jesus is setting the stage. He is constantly stepping up on the stage at different places taking advantage of these different feasts and these different uh, celebrations and, and other opportunities that come his way. But every time, he's like lifting that veil a little bit more. It's getting thinner and thinner and thinner so that they can begin to understand, he, he's hoping that they will see, he's, he's trying to convince them, and some did see, but a lot didn't see. And on occasion, many people stopped following him, but he never stops. He never stops moving towards the cross. That's where he's headed. And so everything that we're seeing him doing and all these things that we're talking about him doing in these chapters in John are preparation for him going to the cross. And and the amazing thing is post-cross and post-resurrection, eyes are going to get opened and people are going to remember things that he said And they're going to begin to understand and put it together. And Jesus is going to raise up an unbelievable flock of sheep who are not only going to follow him, but they're going to proclaim him and they're going to obey him and they're going to build the kingdom of God out of all of this. And so Jesus is spending this time trying to talk to these people today. And so he says, I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to pick it up again. But what he's really trying to say is you need to understand what that means is I am the son of God. I have the authority of God. It's God's authority that is going to crucify me. And it is God's authority that is going to raise me from the dead. And what you need to understand is if I'm doing this, God is doing this. And what that means is, I am God. That's a powerful revelation. But they are not getting it. Now, I don't know how much happens between uh, verse 21 and verse 22 here, uh, but I don't think it's very much time. But Jesus has come to this, this feast in Jerusalem, another feast. Um, it's called the Feast of, 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 of um Um, dedication. Uh, Some call it Hanukkah uh, today, Um, but it's a different feast than the Feast of the Booths uh, that that had already happened. That was like two months ago. We saw him there going into the temple yard, and at specific, very crucial, climactic moments, he stands up and declares who he is. You know, I am the living water. You know, I am the light of the world, these kinds of things. Um, And so he's back again in the temple. It's two months later. He's at the Feast of dedication, alright? And and we don't know what all is going on here, but suddenly there are people that get around him. And this seems to be the case. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a group of Jews that get around him, alright? And they're gathering around him, and this is what they're saying. How long are you gonna keep doing this? Now they don't mean how long are you gonna keep trying to, to proclaim that you're the Son of God or that you're a prophet or that you're whatever. What they're saying is, how long are you going to keep talking like this? How long are you going to keep using these kind of words and word pictures and analogies and all of that stuff, all right? And what they're saying is, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? We just want to know, all right? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah here, all right, and that's what they're all longing for. That's all that they're hoping for. That's all that they're looking for. So this is a big deal to these Jewish people. They want to be delivered. They want to be delivered more than anything else in the world. And so they are constantly looking and hoping and going back and rehearsing the scriptures and the promises of the Old Testament, knowing that indeed somewhere there is going to be this Savior, this Deliverer, this Messiah, if you will. And so they're saying, look, we don't want any more of these word pictures. We don't want any more of this stuff. Just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? Yes or no? And that's where we land today, all right? And and what happens then is that Jesus answers them. All right? But Jesus answers them beyond what they expected. I mean, they wanted just a yes or a no. Um, and they are now on the brink of killing him. They have been there a couple of other times in the storyline. Uh, but again, they, they are there. Um, but he begins to talk to them. And what he's really saying is, yes, I, I am, but, but I already told you that. I've already shown you that, and, and you didn't get it, and so they begin to, to talk to him about what he's, what he's saying back to them, and he talks to them about what he's saying back to them, and, and they're saying he's saying one thing that he's blaspheming, and he's saying something else, um, and so it, they're getting into this, this kind of like confrontation again. Now, remember what we've said about John's writings John is very okay with uh, putting this in here, and I think it's a very important piece of who we see Jesus to be, and that is that Jesus was okay with confrontation. Jesus didn't have a problem with any kind of confrontation with people uh, uh, as it pertained to the truth of who he was. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't in it for confrontation. Jesus was in it for invitation, and that's what I want you to see today, all right? Because what happens when Jesus answers them is, is, is way out beyond what they were looking for, all right? And, um, it, and he's trying to, to sort of deflect here just a little bit, and I want you to kind of follow this along, all right? Because he's about to offer them this wonderful invitation here again, okay? But they're saying, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to keep going after this? And, and he gives them an, an amazing answer here, and I want to take you through that, and as we do, I want to let some questions kind of like brood inside of you here for just a few minutes, and then we'll be done today, okay? Um, and here are the questions that I'd like for you to ask yourself. Do I really know who Jesus is? Like, like, do I understand who Jesus is? Not, not just the truth that you already know about him, but, but can you know him more deeply? Do you really believe you know him as deep as you can know him? Or is there more for you? All right, don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about somebody else in the room. Oh, yeah, I, they need to know more about Jesus. No, no. <laughs> Let's stay, just stick with you today, okay? Is there more that you can know about Jesus? Is there more that you need to know about Jesus, all right? And how does who he is, like in, in your eyes, in your estimation, how does who he is define the way you feel loved by him and cared by him and how he helps you, all right? So in other words, what you see and what you know and understand about Jesus right where you are right now, That informs how you feel loved by the Lord. That informs how you feel cared for by the Lord. That informs how you feel uh, helped by the Lord. So how you see him directly affects how you can receive from him. And so it's important for you and I to understand Jesus and to know him. And that's the beautiful message that David preached to you last week about this Jesus, the good shepherd. This is a powerful, powerful message, all right? And, you, and we need to understand that, and we need to grasp that. But he's trying to get these Jews to understand this kind of stuff, all right? And then I want you to ask yourself, have you believed a lie? And this is the lie that I think a lot of us believe. It's too late for me to really get to know him. It's too late for me to really understand him at that kind of deeper level. So I'm just going to live where I am. I'm going to live on a a surface level of relationship with Jesus. I'm going to stay right where it's kind of not so intense. I'm going to stay where I feel safe. And Jesus, I think, wants to take us down deeper. And I think we're going to see that here today, all right? So think about those questions as we go through this. I'm going to break this down into three parts here. First, I want to talk about Jesus' answer. They ask him the question, Stop talking to us in these, th- these, these uh, messages and these analogies and these word pictures. Are you the Messiah? All right? And here's his answer. He gives it in, in verses 25 through 30. All right? Uh, they say at the end of verse 24, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. And Jesus says, I told you. What he's saying is, my life has already told you. In other words... That's that's what the figure of speech has been all about. That's what the analogies have been all about. That's what the word pictures have been all about, all right? The good shepherd, the door, the one who lays down his life, the one who has these invincible, supernatural, authoritative powers, if you will, to take back his own life from death, to live in a place of resurrection, this one who's gathering all the people to live forever in joy. All right, he's been telling them, and that's so that's what he says. I already told you, but notice what he says, You didn't see it, you didn't get it. All right, I I gave you the answer that you are looking for. So he says, Am I the Messiah? "Mm -hmm, Yeah, I already told you that. All right, so he's not denying it. That he says, That's my answer, I've already told you, but then. He adds verse 25 to that, and he says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness of me. In other words, all these miracles that I've done, all these things I've been doing, I've been doing them for a purpose. This, none of this stuff is random. I'm, I'm not just like going around doing magic tricks. You know, I'm not a spiritual magician. You know, I'm not a spiritual cosmic bellhop here. I'm not just doing things just because you want something done you got to understand, I'm actually methodical. I'm actually systematic. I'm actually planned. Everything I'm doing has purpose, and that is for me to reveal myself to you. So he says, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness about me, but not only have I told you, in other words, spoken to you, he says, I have shown you. In other words, I have demonstrated to you. And this is the way it is, in the life of Jesus, I think, for you and I, and it's certainly the way it was in this day in which we're reading about in John's gospel. Um, it's not an either or, but it's a both and. Jesus speaks and he shows. In other words, he, he, he tells and he demonstrates, if you will, all right? So, so the word and the work make the Messiahship clear, And that's what he's trying to say. It's not just about what I say, but it's about what I do. And here's what I want you to understand. Deeds alone don't make it plain, and they don't in your day and my day either. And so if all we're trying to do is find something we can see or something that we can get from God, we're going to miss it. We're never, ever going to fully understand the richness of Jesus if all we're wanting is something from him. Alright. So it's not just deeds alone that make it plain, but it's words. Words with it. Alright. Words alone don't make it powerful. Alright? You can speak, and words will, will bring understanding, and words will bring freedom, and words will bring release, but it's the deeds, the the, the miraculous hand of God that, that lines up with the word of God that makes it all powerful for us. Alright? And so you need both. You got to be in your head and you got to be in your heart. There there is an emotional connection with Jesus that I would love for all of you to have, but there's also a, a head connection that we need to have. There's some doctrine that we need to understand about who Jesus is as the Son of God. And we don't throw out the doctrine, and we don't throw out the emotions. We bring them together so that we have a full revelation of Jesus. And so he's telling them he's the Messiah, but he's doing so much more than that, all right? So here in this passage, instead of giving you a a new figure of speech, if you will, or or no figure of speech at all, he's kind of pressing into them, and he's going beyond whether or not he's just the Messiah, all right? And so let's look at verses 26 and 30. He says, you do not believe. Why? Because you're not a part of his flock. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. and They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And then here's, where, here's the beautiful piece. And no one, in other words, no power, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then here's the big one. I and the Father are one. We're one together. All right, notice a few things here. First of all, When the father gives his sheep into the hand of his son, they are still in the father's hand. He never lets go. He's got them the whole time. Why? Because Jesus is trying to help them understand, the father and I are one. All right? They're they're constantly trying to separate him from God. (laughs) They're constantly trying to move him away from his position in the father. And he is constantly coming back and saying, you can't do this. We're one. We can't be separated. We can't be pulled apart. We can't be established differently than the other. So in verse 29, he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And what Jesus is saying, if you're in me, you're in the Father. You can't be snatched out of his hand. Listen, you can't be snatched out of my hand either. We are one. So what is the implication of this? It is that God has honestly done everything he possibly can and given everything he possibly can so that he can have you. And everything that he sent to you is not some other form, some other method, some other means. It's the extension of him. He brought himself to earth, so that he could touch you with his love and with his power and not only touch you, but draw you into him and not only draw you in and hold you there, but keep you safe there as well. See, this is why we need this deeper understanding of Jesus and who he is as the son of God, because you, can need, to, you need to know you don't have to fail. You don't have to falter. There are so many of us, we live a lesser life, a life that's filled with condemnation and shame and guilt because we're constantly cycling in sin cycles in our lives. And the reality is we're, we're afraid that we're going to lose our faith or lose our salvation or all these kinds of things. And the enemy is condemning us and scaring us and pushing us around. And the reality is God, if we understand correctly, because Jesus has saved us, God has come to us to hold us and keep us safe. And there is no power in heaven, hell, or on this earth that can snatch you out of the care and the love of the Father because you are in Christ. And in Christ, you are in the Father. You see what I'm saying? We have an amazing opportunity to go deep with Jesus, and he was giving them this opportunity as well, and they were blind. He says, you don't get it. You don't see it, all right? But it's, 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 it's easy to understand why these Jewish leaders were having the problems they were having, and they were calling it blasphemy because Jesus is honestly saying absolutely that he is the son of God, all right? And so this is a claim to deity. All right. And, and so they were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, all right, as, as it says in John 5, um, but he was even calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. So they, they are, they're, they're understandably about execution. They're, they're going after him, all right. They're going to try to take him out here, all right. But I, what I want you to understand is that we, we know the, the words of verse 30 by themselves alone don't necessarily mean this. I mean, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, it, it, it could be interpreted different ways. Um, we could go over to John chapter 17 and see the prayer, the priestly prayer of Jesus and see how Jesus is praying, Father, we need to be one in unity. Uh, we, need to, we need to be one in, in harmony. You know, We talk about here being one in vision. Um, my wife will tell you that she and I are one. She puts a lot of premium on that fact. She says, you and I are one. God has made us one because we are married to each other. We are husband and wife. All right. She's still her. I'm still me, but we're one. All right. So there are interpretations of this thing here, but Jesus is saying, I am one with the Father. I am one The Father, basically. I am God. All right. And so they see that as blasphemy. All right. Now, if we're going to understand this right, we need to understand that the whole gospel of John is constantly saying they're right. They're right. You're saying this. This is what you are saying because this is what John is saying in the gospel. This is what he's wanting us to hold on to. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then you jump down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's really plain right there at the very beginning. This is how Jesus sets, uh, John sets the premise of his gospel right here, that Jesus is indeed the son of God, all right? So he holds it right there. We get over into chapter five, and it says that Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say uh, to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. All right? And so uh, this implies that that Jesus and the Father are one here again. All right? And so He says, whatever the Father does, that's what the Son does likewise. Father, Son. All right? No no mere human could say this. All right? John chapter 8 We had just a few Sundays back. Jesus says to all of them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And we talked about how that every good Jewish man that was in that temple area where Jesus was would know exactly what was going on when Jesus said that. They would know exactly what he was implying there because they understood from the Old Testament the I am. All right. And so Jesus has not been dancing around this really He's actually been saying this all along. And so then we come to this passage today in verse 18. I have this authority to lay my life down, and I have the authority to take it up again. Again, no mere human. Could do that When it gets over to John chapter 20, and it's after the resurrection from the dead, and Jesus walks into a room where it says all the doors and, and windows are bolted. They're closed. You know, no one can get in. He appears inside of the room, and there stands Thomas. You know, and Thomas has just said, hey, until I can put my, my finger inside of the nail print in his, his hand, until I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus looks at Thomas, the doubting one, and says, hey, here's my hand. Put your finger right in there. Touch me. Just go ahead. Touch me. Here, put put your hand in my side. Go ahead. All right? Now, because of what you see, believe. Believe. And this is what I want to challenge you and I to get to today out of this particular passage. All right? All right? There's, a, there's an invitation that Jesus brings here, and it's found in verses 37 through 39, I think, and, and they're just about to seize him here, but he gives them one like, kind of final plea here, and he says, it, it, it's like he's really saying, there's still a chance for you. like, like I, I'm willing to give you another chance, all right? So let's, let's look at verses 37 through 38 first. He says, I, I'm, I'm not doing the works of my Father, or if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. If you don't think these are the works of the Father, don't don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, all right? You don't have to believe me, but but even though you don't believe me, believe the works you see. Believe what you are seeing happen here that you may know and understand, all right? Now, this is the same word here for know and understand, only in 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 a past tense and a present tense, all right? So what he's saying is that you may know and go on to know more fully. In other words, this is a good starting place. If you can't believe me, in the words I'm saying to you right now, believe these deeds, believe these things that have been done um, in my name, all right? Let that be a, a, a beginning point for you. And I think that's a very... Merciful place that we see Jesus here because these people are trying to stone him, they're trying to kill him, they're trying to destroy him, they're trying to shut him up. But at the same time, even though he's confronted their unbelief on more than one occasion, he continually comes back, see, with this invitation. And so, why can't you just believe what you see here? Why don't you just believe in these deeds? I mean, some of them have already said, hey, No demon can do this kind of stuff. You know, this this stuff, only someone from God can do this kind of stuff. And so he's asking them to consider from that capacity, all right? And so I, I think he's being very merciful here, and I hope you hear it that way for yourself, all right? He's saying, if you can't see your way clear to grasp my words and my person, then at least grab a hold of the deeds that have been done, all right? Why? I think because that bit of knowing can turn into a fuller knowing and a fuller understanding. And so I want to take you back to the question I asked you at the beginning. Do you feel like that you can't go any deeper? Do you feel like you can't know any more about Jesus? Because I don't think we're ever at a place of not learning, not gaining, not grasping the depths of Jesus and his love and his power for us. And I think John is trying to help us to see that in this passage here, all right? He wants us to see exactly what Jesus is saying to these men. Why don't you just at least take what you know you can grab a hold of here and run with that? Let that be a beginning place. And and then you can come to fuller understanding. You can come to fuller knowledge. You can come to fuller revelation with time. And they're ready to stone him. And you'd think that the story was over right here with all this resistance and this opposition and this unbelief. But John tells us in this story that, and and John could have stopped right here, honestly, and and took us right to Lazarus in that story if if he would wanted to. But he doesn't. He doesn't stop there. He lets us know that Jesus escapes out of this situation. And he gives us a wonderful little insight in two other uh, three other verses here uh, at the end of the story. The, the Jerusalem story ends with anger, unbelief, and a murderous plot against Jesus, all right? But he takes us immediately across the Jordan. And he says, over across the Jordan, where John the Baptist first started to preach, Jesus goes. And he, he says, what I think is a real key for us here, he says, And he's giving us a good clue here. He says, He went away across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. All right? He stays there until his time, if you will. All right? And so it says, Many came to him. Many came to where he was there, and they said things. And here's the gist of what they were saying amongst themselves and to one another. They're saying... John did no sign, speaking of the Baptist, all right? John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man, Jesus, the good shepherd, all right, was true. Everything he said was true. And then here's the, 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 the commentary. And many believed in him there. All right. We see him in the temple. We see him in in conflict with these Jews. We see him trying to teach them. We see him confront them. We see him trying to give them another chance, an invitation to come back, but they just want to stone him. And so he escapes out of the the, the temple area. All right. And and he says, basically, I'm going to go where we started. I'm, I'm going to go back to that place. And he stayed there. All right. Now, what we see happening here is the people are embracing the message of the Baptist and they're respecting Jesus and it's flourishing there. They're holding on to what they have, all right? And so what I want to say to you is that there's a unique element here. John's ministry was very Unpretentious. John's ministry was very humble. John didn't put on a show. He didn't perform magic tricks. He didn't do any of those kinds of things that would create a buzz or a flare in any way. John came preaching. And what did John say in his preaching? He said, I must decrease, and he must increase. If you and I are going to have Jesus increase in our lives, we're going to have to be willing to decrease in our life and let him flourish through us. And that's what I want you to grab a hold of as, as we leave here today. John's mindset was humble. I think it was even self-effacing in, in some ways. I mean, he, he literally was as simplistic as it gets, as, as minimalist as it gets, and he had nothing in, in intent or purpose other than to lifting and exalting the name of Jesus. So if Jesus is not flourishing in your life, if he doesn't feel like the shepherd to you, if you don't feel safe in his clutches and where you are, Where do you need to get to? Where do you need to be where Jesus can flourish? And I think it's in this place of the same as John the Baptist, you and I must decrease in order that Christ may increase in our lives. And what does that mean? It means that we become like the the, the good shepherd. The good shepherd said, I lay down my life for the sheep. You and I are called to lay down our lives. For the sheep. We are called to go and make disciples. We are called to pay that price in the kingdom of God. And if you and I are not doing that, we are not at the depth to understand the, 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 the deep, um, powerful impact of God's love. Jesus is saying if you're in my hand, you're in the Father's hand because the Father and I are one. And if you lay down your life for the sheep, the way I lay down my life for the sheep, you are following me. You are like me. And that's where God wants you and I to be. So the question is, where are you in Christ? Are you like him? Are you laying your life down, all right? He says, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You and I are not the Christ, But we have been sent after him. And he is coming again. And so we have been sent before he comes again. And the purpose for that is that we can be that voice. To share him with those who are lost. Who are blind. Who are outside of the flock of Christ. And so let's decrease. That he might increase through us. It's challenging. It's not an easy message, is it? But I think this is what God would call Life Church to today. That Life Church would be a church that would lay down its life for the neighborhood. We would be a church that would lay down our lives for the city. We would lay down our lives for other nations. And we would prefer others over ourselves so that Christ can flourish through us. That others, we are taking them to the Good Shepherd. Amen. Let's pray.